Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. It is so good to be here with you all. So good to celebrate Easter together. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you joined us. Uh, whether this is your church home or whether this is your first time, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, you're, you're welcome here. Uh, and uh, we're so glad that you are here to celebrate with us. Today we have the privilege of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I am just so excited to talk about that resurrection this morning. You know, last week we began kind of this journey through Holy Week, if you will. We began talking through Palm Sunday as Jesus rides into Jerusalem uh, to shouts of Hosanna, you know, save us. Uh, Hosanna, praise be to you, right? They're, they're, they're basically just crowning him king. They're expecting him to come in and be victorious over an oppressive government. But that was just the, that was just the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, we, we touched on just the beginning of Holy Week last week. Uh, but something I like to do every Easter, just kind of go through what else happens during Holy Week? Because uh, we've gone from Palm Sunday, now we're at Easter. There's been a lot that has happened scripturally in the middle there. Right, starting with what we celebrate on Thursday. We call it Maundy Thursday. Uh, Thursday is really the day that we find Jesus and the disciples are eating the Passover dinner. Uh, we talked a little bit about Passover last week, but uh, TLDR, it is basically just a celebration of God's freeing the people of Egypt out of Egypt, all right? It's a remembering of the passing over. Uh, and so they're eating this Passover meal. They're at this Passover festival. And it's at this meal that we see Jesus calling his disciples to remember him. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, we, we see this, things that they wouldn't completely understand until the days that followed. That night, Jesus is arrested, he is railroaded through the system, and by nine o'clock the next morning, Jesus is hanging on a cross. Good Friday, we call it. Jesus is hanging on a cross, and by three o'clock, which is very quick for this type of a death, Jesus is gone. Fairly quick term, quick way to die in terms of crucifixion. Normally it would take Way longer than that, it could take over a day to die on a cross. Basically, you would die of suffocation. They would hang you up and they would, uh, you would just kind of, your arms would hang down and you would struggle to breathe and then you would push up, but you know, there's nails in your feet so it hurts to push up, and then you would just die of suffocation. This is how you would die on a cross. Jesus, six hours on the cross, nine o'clock to about three o'clock, Jesus is on the cross. After Jesus is passing, a problem arises though. Because the disciples need to find a place to bury Jesus. And it was against the law to bury someone on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was the very next day. And time didn't go like it goes now. It's not like 11.59 is still Saturday and then 12 o'clock it's Sunday. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Sundown that day is the Sabbath. So they have from about 3 o'clock until sundown to prepare Jesus' body, to find a tomb for Jesus, and to get him in there and bury him. They had to accomplish all of this before sundown on Friday. They do that. Preparing a body took about 70 pounds of spices and wrap. They find a place to bury him. They bury him. And that is the first day, Friday. Good Friday. Day one. The next day, Saturday. Day two. Saturday we, we call Holy Saturday or Quiet Saturday. It's a day where we just kind of reflect. And you can imagine how the disciples are feeling at this point. The disciples have just seen the guy that they've been following for years. For, uh, they've, been, they've given their everything to him. He has called them and they have followed him and they are, he is, they are his followers. 
And now he's gone. You can imagine the disciples are just a little bit numb at this point. Maybe some of us have been there. Something's happened in your life. Maybe someone passed. Just that next day, like, you're just not even hungry. Just kind of numb. You don't really want to eat. You don't really want to do anything. You just want to sit and do nothing. You can imagine this is what Saturday felt like for the disciples. Just a quiet day. They're numb. Saturday comes and goes. Day two. Sundown on Saturday. The third day begins. That's important. And I'll tell you why it's important. The reason it's so significant is because of what Jesus said would happen on the third day. Luke chapter 24, verse 7, Jesus says, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And this is exactly what happened. We don't know exactly when it happened, but we know that it happened in the darkness of night. Sometime between sundown and sunup, the light of Christ shined into a dark place and Jesus was risen again. I think this is the most appropriate thing ever. Sometime in the dark, the light of Jesus shined in. This is exactly how it goes in our own lives as well. In our darkest moments, Jesus, his light, his shines in. And here's the thing. Everyone knew about this declaration. Every single person knew that Jesus had said what was going to happen. The people who crucified him knew it. If you go to the book of Matthew with me, Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 62, says this, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Everyone knew that Jesus said he was going to rise on the third day. They went to just a great extent to even just seal it, just to make sure it didn't happen. They rolled a stone, they, put a, uh, they sealed it, they put a soldier in front. The people who killed Jesus knew that he had said that he would come back on the third day. The disciples also knew that Jesus said he was going to come back on the third day. The Gospel of Matthew gives us three instances, chapter 16, 17, and 20, where Jesus basically just straight up says, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. He even talks in chapter 12 about just like Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish, I will spend three days and then I will be back. I'll spend three days in the earth. The disciples, though, didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear what Jesus was saying. They didn't want to hear that he would die. So where were they on the third day? You would think that everyone who had heard that Jesus was raising again on the third day would be there on the third day. Think about this. All the disciples, they've just spent years with him. You would think they would be there when he said he would be out. Lazarus. Just been raised pretty recently, scripturally. <laughs> if anybody believes that Jesus can raise from the dead, it's probably a guy who has just been raised from the dead. You would think Lazarus would be at the tomb. You would think the 5,000 people that got a free lunch that day, maybe they'd be at the tomb. 
You would think blind Bartimaeus, who got his sight back, you'd think he would be at the tomb. The guy that got lowered through the roof and got healed, you'd think he would understand Jesus can do this. But he would think, if it was today, <laughs> if it was today, CNN and every news station would have a 24-hour camera on that tomb. They would be just waiting. He said he would come back. He said he would be there. But Jesus, on the night that Jesus rose from the grave, he burst forth to an audience of zero. No one was there. Even the Roman soldiers had been scared off. The disciples were scared. They were hiding between, behind locked doors. There was no one there. Now, just a side note, it would be hard, <laughs> I think, for me, if I was Jesus, not to be a little bit disappointed. <laughs> I said I would be back. Where is everybody? You know, like, what is going on here? But they, they weren't there. I want, I want you to join me in the book of Luke this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time in Luke. We're going to read about what actually happened on that third day. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to read from this morning. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1, says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the tombstone, or they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you. <laughs> I love this. Remember how he told you that he would do it. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who, told the, them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. These women, Mary, Mary, Joanna, the others, they're the first to see the empty tomb. Besides the guards who are scared off, you can read about that in the book of Matthew. And the disciples don't immediately believe these women. They aren't immediately like, sweet, he's back. We should have known. <laughs> there was not that reaction. They were in disbelief. And I think Peter's response is actually pretty eye-opening for us this morning. He goes to the tomb, he sees what has happened, and it says this, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I think... Peter here is wondering about the most important question that we can answer in Scripture. Here's what I think Peter's wondering about. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did this really happen? And I think, if we're honest, our answer to that question really is everything in regards to our faith. Our faith hinges on our answer to this. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 is pretty clear. It says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And our answer to this question is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? 
is so important. And so this morning, I want to just spend some time. I want to talk about some of the possibilities here. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Let's wonder together the same thing that Peter was wondering. What are some explanations? Well, here's historically some explanations. No, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Or Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I blew that one. Spoiler alert. Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead because he didn't actually die on the cross. That's an explanation. Six hours is kind of a short time to be crucified. Maybe he was just unconscious and they took him and they buried him and he somehow got out. Historically, this is actually not an uncommon belief. This is actually the Muslim belief about Jesus. In the Quran, Muhammad teaches that a substitute went. Someone that looked like Jesus went to the cross and it wasn't actually him. Others believe in what's called the swoon theory, that Jesus was just hurt really bad on the cross. He didn't actually die there. He was just hurt really bad. Uh, Forget about the spear going through his side and all that good stuff. He was just really hurt. And somehow, after being that hurt, three days later, he has the strength to roll away the tomb himself, and now he's back. Uh, This is the first theory. As you can imagine, this is not a, there's not a biblical case to be made here, but this is a theory. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, no, because maybe he didn't actually die on the cross. There's the first one. Second one, did Jesus actually rise from the dead? No. Jesus' tomb wasn't actually empty. Maybe, I think, I might get in trouble for this. This is sometimes called the wrong tomb theory. This is, I think, historically, where the whole rumor that women are not very good at directions, I think that's where this started. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Because the theory is this, that the women who went to the tomb went to the wrong tomb. They, were, they did find an empty tomb, but it wasn't Jesus' tomb. They, they did find the tomb, but it wasn't his. Basically, the women went to the tomb. They were so distraught about Jesus' death that they got their directions mixed up. And they, they got to a tomb, saw it empty, and just assumed resurrection. Of course, this... This is not biblical at all either. Right? There's not a biblical case to be made here either. There's has to dismiss the fact that the Roman guards were stationed at that tomb, that they were scared off, that no one in authority who knew that Jesus had said that he was going to rise again wanted it to be true. So there were people at the tomb that watching over the tomb. But maybe they had the wrong tomb as well. Right? That's another theory. No, Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead because the tomb isn't empty. Jesus is still dead in a tomb somewhere. That's this theory. No biblical case to be made there. Here's the third one. No, Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. The disciples must have just stolen his body. They found the tomb. This is kind of a conspiracy theory that essentially says that the disciples must have stolen the body of Jesus and claimed he was alive. This actually dismisses the biblical fact that the disciples were locked away in a room afraid for their lives because they were afraid that what happened to Jesus would happen to them as well. I mean, this idea, again, has no biblical backing. There's no biblical case to be made here. In fact, the the common thought of the day, this doesn't even make sense, because the common thought of the day in both pagan and Christian circles was that resurrection wasn't even a good thing. In the the Greco-Roman thought, death was liberation. The very last thing that you would want is to come back to the body. And even in Christian thought, the Jewish thought, the idea that an individual would, would come back into a world marked by sickness and disease was just, why? Why would you do that? But what we have now is all of a sudden people start believing that someone had been raised from the dead. 
So we have these, these theories. Side note, here's just interesting on these last two. Alone, these ideas sort of make sense. You can see why people would think that. You can see why people would say, hey, the disciples probably stole the body, or they had the wrong tomb, they got the tomb wrong. You can, you can see how people would think this, but again, it's just not biblical. You look at scripture, you see that there are many people who claim to have seen Jesus after his resurrection. In fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians with me again, that same chapter, chapter 15, uh, here's, what, here's what we read in chapter 15, starting at verse 3. This is Paul saying, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So here's... Paul, in Scripture, is saying, look, like this is not just a story. There are people that you can go and talk to that actually saw Jesus alive. This is what is biblical. So according to Paul, people saw Jesus after the resurrection. It's the same chapter that we read earlier, saying basically, if that's not true, our faith is useless. Same chapter. Saying, look, there are people alive today who are eyewitnesses to this fact. Here's another interesting theme. Many of these people making these claims are quite literally losing everything just for claiming that Jesus has been resurrected. People are losing their lives. They're being killed because they're claiming that Jesus has been risen. N.T. Wright, a Christian scholar, says this, The early Christians did not invent the empty tomb and the meetings or sightings of the risen Jesus. No one, nobody was expecting this kind of thing. No kind of conversion experience would have invented it. To suggest otherwise is to stop doing history and enter into a fantasy world of our own. Amen. So the final explanation is this, that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Amen. The scripture is true and right in what it says about Jesus. That Jesus himself was right when he told his disciples what was going to happen. That the woman who saw the empty tomb saw what they saw. That those who appeared, that Jesus appeared to, including the 12 disciples and the hundreds of other people, that they knew what they saw. That those who claimed the resurrection and they were claiming it and telling other people about it, they welcomed the scorn of those who would not believe because of what they were saying. This is true. And if this is true, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, this changes everything. It changes everything for our lives. There's some implications that we need to grasp this morning. And, and Jesus is, we say this all the time, Jesus is Lord. This is, the, this is the, the claim of Christianity from centuries ago until today. Jesus is Lord, especially on today. Jesus is Lord. But if he really did rise from the dead, that means a few things. First of all, he is Lord over life and death. Amen. John chapter 10, 17 and 18 says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Jesus is saying, look, I have the authority over life and death. I am Lord over life and death. No one else determines when they will live. Not one of us in this room was like, I think I'd like to be born now. Right? Mandy might enjoy that happening pretty soon here. But yeah, uh, none of us has just said, like, I'm going to be born now. And none of us really say... I think I'm done now. 
Ah, when our heart stops, we're done. None of us have authority over that, but Jesus has that authority. He is Lord over life and death. Jesus is also, as being Lord over life and death, he is Lord over sin and he's Lord over Satan. This is a big theme of Scripture. From Genesis 3 on, sin is in the picture. From Genesis 3 on, sin has been in the world, has led to the people, led the people of God astray. From sin came death. We die because of sin. And if Jesus is Lord over life and death, he is also Lord over sin as well. Paul in 1 Corinthians, the same chapter that we've been reading in chapter 15, concludes this chapter with these thoughts. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is victorious, he is Lord over sin and Satan, and he is Lord over you and me. He has the absolute authority over us. This is the foundational confession of Christianity, that Jesus is Lord. I want to just go to a scripture with you this morning in, chapter, in Romans, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, as with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is, this is what Paul says here. It's, it's with, your, with your heart that you're justified, with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. Here's the question that I want you to ask, that I want to ask you this morning. It's really a twofold question, really based out of this scripture. I think it's just a, something to think about today. First, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? As, as, Paul, or as Paul says here in Romans, do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? This is a, a huge question. And this is not one that I want you to take lightly. I don't want you to just be like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I believe. It. No. Have an answer to this. Do you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave? One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If you are, have any sort of doubt, any sort of questions, any sort of anything, God is not afraid of those questions. If you are seeking the answers, if you're seeking God for the answer to those questions, I, I want you to seek. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead? And if your answer is, is no, then I would just urge you this morning to seek God in this matter. Ask that God would, would show you one way or another. Yes, he did, or no, he didn't, but I want you to have an answer to this. And again, not, God is not afraid of your questions. God welcomes the questions, he welcomes the doubts, he welcomes them. If the answer is yes, though, I want to remind you that's really only half the equation. Now, Scripture is clear. It's not to believe and do all this other stuff. We're not saved because of anything that we do. We can't earn our way into heaven, but it's also clear that it's more than just simply kind of a, an intellectual understanding that, yes, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's more than that. There's more. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the rest of Romans 10. 
Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? And do you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Do you know and believe that he is Lord over your life? He is Lord. Not my job, not my career, not my family, not my stuff, not my money, not my finances or my stock portfolio or anything like that. None of that stuff is Lord. Jesus is Lord. This is the confession of Christianity from start to finish in the New Testament. He is Lord. Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Those are the two questions that we consider this morning. And again, not questions I want you to take lightly. Do you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead? Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Now, there's probably three different people in here this morning. Some of us would say, no, I don't believe. I don't believe. I'm not sure about either of those questions this morning. You know, that's okay. I would just encourage you, seek God in the matter. Go to Scripture. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, take the one in front of you in our pew. We can replace it. It's yours. Open it up. Read it. Seek the answers you're looking for. But some would say no. I would just encourage you to ask God your questions. God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of the doubts. He's not afraid of of what you've got going on in your mind. He's not afraid of any of that. I would just encourage you to, to seek him. I would encourage you to join a small group. <laughs> talk, talk about those questions with other people around you. Right, if I have a doubt, if I, I, don't, I just don't know about this whole thing about Jesus and this. and Join a small group. Ask other people. We'll have a small group sign up starting next week. Some, so someone of us, some of us would say no. Some of us would say, you know, I, I would say I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, but I'm not quite sure I'm to the place where I can call Jesus Lord. And I would just say this to you. Why not today? Why not make today the day that Jesus becomes Lord over your life? That you give him everything that is yours. And you say, Jesus, I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. Not my will, but your will. I can't do this on my own anymore. Maybe today, make today be the day that you submit to the, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's a third group here, probably others would say, I do believe, and I have made Jesus my Lord. And for you, I would say this, let today be a day where you celebrate that decision, and let today be a day where you re-up of that decision. May you leave today just over and over in your head, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. May this be that day. I'm going to pray in a second, and I just, I want you to pray with me, and I want you to as I'm praying, I want you to just think about which of those categories, I don't want to say a category, which of those places you fit in. Maybe you're a no. I don't believe, and I haven't called Jesus Lord. Maybe you're in the middle. Yeah, I, I think I do actually believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, but I don't think I've ever given him lordship over my life. Maybe you're the third category. Yeah, I, I, I do believe, and I have given Jesus lordship over my life. I want you to think about where you are on that. I want to think about where you are in those. Now I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you just to, to pray with me. And there will be some responsive prayers as well as, as part of this. And Whichever area you fit in, I want you to pray along with me as I'm praying. Let's, let's bow and pray this morning.
God, we love you. And this morning, God, as we celebrate your resurrection, God, we wrestle with the same question that Peter wrestled with. Is this for real? Is this for real? He walks away wondering what has happened, and this has to be the question that he's asking God. Is it, did you really just raise from the dead? God, we've, we've wrestled this morning with this question, and some of us have wrestled with this question for more than just this morning. And, and God, I just, well, we know that you'll meet us where we are in this place. God, there are some of us in here who would just say no to both. No, I don't believe that you were raised from the dead, and I have not made you Lord. God, I just pray in this room right now that if there is any of those people, that you would uh, just, just speak into their lives, move in their life in such a powerful way that they have uh, the no doubt that you are moving in their life. God, would you just speak to their hearts, move in their hearts. Would they feel you in a real and tangible way this morning? And God, I just pray that you would, even as we go forward this week, that you would just continue to speak, continue to move, continue to show yourself and reveal yourself to them. And as they question, if they go and they, they question, would you just calm their fears, calm their doubts, calm their minds, answer their questions, God. God, there are some of us in here who would say yes. I believe. I believe that you were raised from the dead. But I don't think I have ever made you Lord over my life. And maybe this morning, today is that day. Today is the day I make the decision to follow you. Today is the day I make the decision to, to make you Lord over my life. And I just want to just... If this is you this morning, if whether you're in the first category and you've just said no to both, or you're in this category and you've, you do believe, and, and, but you want to make Jesus Lord over your life, if this is either of you, I would, just, I would just ask you to pray this prayer with me this morning. God, I love you. God, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. But God, I would ask that you would come in. I pray that you would lead me. I pray that you would guide me. I pray that you would change my life. God, I want to live for you. And God, there are others in this place this morning. Where we come and we have... We firmly believe you have raised from the dead. And we can confidently say that you are Lord over our life. God, I just pray that you would just give us the same passion and the same joy as the very first day that decision was made. That we would leave, that we would make a difference for you. If that's you this morning, I want you just to, to think about this prayer with me. God, I love you. And God, I just I pray that you would continue to lead, 
continue to guide, continue to direct. God, would you restore my passion? Would you help me to make a difference for you? God, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Wherever you want me to say, I will say, God, I am yours. God, I don't, I, wherever, I don't know everyone in the room, I don't know where they are, but I pray that if a decision was made this morning, that you would seal that on their hearts, God, that you would, you would bind that in, God, that they would, they would know that they know that what happened today is real and right, and God, we just pray a special blessing over anyone this morning who made a decision. God, we, we love you. You are Lord, and we believe that you have risen from the grave. We celebrate that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to just say this. If you did make a decision today, if you are one of those who said, you know, I, I, I do want to make Jesus Lord of my life today, or I do want to re-up that commitment, or I, I, I was in the no category, but I think I'm ready. If you made a decision today, I would just encourage you to do two things. Number one, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Because the moment you walk out of this place, there is a spiritual battle that will begin happening in your life. Satan will try to convince you that what happened in here did not actually happen and that it's fake and all this kind of stuff. I would just ask you to tell somebody. Someone you came with, tell me. Doesn't matter. Tell somebody. Help us to keep you accountable on the decision in your life. Second thing I would say is this. Start reading, start praying every day. If you need a Bible and you don't have a Bible, take the one in front of you. I wasn't joking. Take the one in front of you. It's yours. If you, if you want advice on where to start, come talk to me. Talk to Pastor Jason, Pastor Steve. Talk to one of us. We would gladly help you. But I would just say this. Tell somebody. That's the most important thing you can do this morning is tell somebody. Yeah, every, every week here at Fresno First Church, we end in the same way. I just ask you to stand and uh, just receive a blessing from God. And the way we do this is just ask you to just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing. I know it might feel awkward at first, but uh, just receive this blessing. May our God, who is powerful enough to raise Jesus from the grave, that God with that same power, may he be in you and with you this week. May he go with you. May he call you and direct you and guide you, give you courage to do what he's calling you to do this week. May you go in grace. May you go in peace. May you go with the power of the risen Savior this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for coming. He is risen indeed. Amen.